Happy Sabbath. I just want to tell you, I am so impressed. Tell me that bulletin. I am so impressed by what you're doing in this church. I just have to say, great job. I don't think I've ever seen a bulletin this thick with so much information in it on health. I mean, I'm just amazed. Great job, guys. I mean, really, I'm, every page I turn to, you're doing something with community outreach and trying to educate people in health principles. This is like, you guys are a model that many other churches should follow. You just need a lifestyle center now in Bakersfield. <laughs> anyway, I'm very grateful to be here today. As you know, my name's Danny Vieira from Modern Man and Ministries, and what I love to do is put the health message and the gospel together in unique ways that maybe you'll see in a, for the first time how that health message is a right arm of the gospel message. We want to give people life and life more abundantly, don't we? We want them to have a healthy life here and now and also look forward to the eternal life that we can have in heaven with our Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to say a little prayer and then if they'll put my presentation up on the screen we'll begin heavenly father i pray that you use my vessel for your glory and for your honor you know each person in this room you know exactly how many hairs are on their head you know their condition you know their physical ailments you know their emotional challenges you know the spiritual connection that they have or do not have with you. So, Father, I pray that you use me today to touch the hearts of many people in this room that we can experience complete restoration for the whole person. So may I decrease as you increase, and may your glory be upon me and your power, your regenerating energy, your grace, to give me that added boost from heaven to do what I humanly cannot. So bless me, I ask in Jesus' name, amen. I've entitled this presentation, it's a new presentation that I put together, called No Incurable Diseases. Do you think there's any incurable diseases with Jesus? No. You know, I say it this way, if he could raise the dead, he certainly can heal somebody of cancer, can't he? But I want to look at Jesus' ministry for you or with you for a moment. The Bible says in Matthew, and Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria. So you see initially that he had a trifold ministry as it were. And he taught, and he preached, and he healed, and it was all wrapped into one ministry, wasn't it? And because of his effort in these areas, there was a fame. He was famous for what he did. And as a result of that fame, they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with divers diseases and torments, those which were possessed with devils, those which were lunatic, and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. And if you look at the trifold ministry where he taught, he preached, and he healed, he addressed three different areas of the person's condition in their lives. 
We find here that they had diseases and torments. They were possessed with devils, so there was spiritual disease. Those that were lunatic, there was mental disease. And those that had the palsy, a physical disease. So Christ was always concerned with the total restoration of the whole person. Not just to forgive them of their sins, but to cause the lame, the walk, and the leper to be healed. And because of his ministry, working in that fashion... The Bible says there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee, from Decapolis, from Jerusalem, from Judea, and from Jordan and beyond. And in the wonderful book, Ministry of Healing, it says during his ministry, Jesus devoted more time to healing the sick than to preaching. Isn't that beautiful? So when you look at these stories of healing in the Bible, I want to cover some of these one by one. The first one is in Mark chapter 5, verse 25 through 29. And it says, And a certain woman which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all she had, and was nothing better, but she grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, she came in and pressed behind him and touched his garment, and she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. So as he was passing, she reached forward and succeeded in barely touching the border of his garment. That moment, she knew that she was healed. In that one touch was concentrated the faith of her life. And instantly... I repeat, and instantly her pain and feebleness disappeared. Instantly she felt the thrill of an electric current. Did you see that? An electric current passing through every fiber of her being, and there came over her a sensation of perfect health. She felt in, in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus turned, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort, for thy faith has made thee whole. How's your faith, beloved? If you are struggling with disease, emotional toxicity, physical maladies, lack of spiritual connection with Jesus, you know, the Bible says that God has dealt to every man a measure of faith, and faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Be encouraged today as this woman was encouraged, because a woman was made whole from that hour. You see, Jesus saves. The Bible says, For his name shall be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And do you know the term for salvation, soteria, and the verb form sozo are used over 150 times to mean, to save, to cure, to heal, to preserve, to rescue from danger, to deliver, to save from peril, injury, or suffering, to make whole from physical death by healing and watch this, and from spiritual death 
by forgiving sin and its effects. So Jesus was concerned about the physical, the mental, and the spiritual condition of every human being. And he set that up as an example for us in the last day church, the remnant church, to follow this model and to practice the same in reaching people in the community and into the uttermost parts of the world. See, there's a parallel that I find between healing and between salvation. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when Jesus was come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever, and he touched her hand, and the fever left her. They brought unto him many, and he healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities, and he bare our sicknesses. Do you know that? See, there's healing in Jesus. We may run to the doctors and spend all that we have, and we may grow worse. Maybe we'll run for natural remedies. Maybe we'll read every book there is on nutrition and healing and get more confused as we do because there's so much contradiction out there. But what we need to always focus on is there's no incurable diseases with Christ Jesus. And the Bible says, surely he has borne Watch that pronoun, our griefs, and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Faith, to believe in Jesus who has the power to send an electrical current through your body right now and instantly heal every one of you if you have faith in his power. Faith. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou will, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And behold, they brought to him a sick man of the palsy, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. Isn't that interesting? Here's a sick man, and Jesus is saying, your sins be forgiven you. What? That's powerful. Let's go to the pool of Bethesda. A certain man had an infirmity 30 and 8 years. When Jesus saw him, he said, Will thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water's troubled to put me into the pool, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus says, Rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole. And he took up his bed and he walked. Faith. Jesus does not ask the sufferer to exercise faith in him. He simply says, rise up, take up your bed and walk. But the man's faith takes hold upon that word and every nerve and muscle thrills with new life 
and healthful action comes through his crippled limbs without question, and this is key, he sets his will to obey the command of Jesus. And all his muscles respond to his will, and springing to his feet, he finds himself an active man. Faith. He believes Christ's word, and in acting upon it, he receives strength. So through the same faith, we may receive spiritual healing. By sin, we've been severed from the life of God. Our souls are palsied. Of ourselves, we have no more capable of living a holy life than was the impotent man capable of walking. So what's my message today? What is your sickness? Is it physical? Is it mental? Is it spiritual? But I want to give you a very positive message today. Look up. Look up to the one who has the power, that has the, the divine energy, the regenerating energy to heal anybody of any disease, no matter what it is, whether it's arthritis, fibromyalgia, Lyme disease, or even cancer. We put our faith in the physicians, but many times we don't put our faith in the one who can heal all diseases, the one who bore your sicknesses upon the cross. There are many who realize their helplessness and who long for that spiritual life which will bring them into harmony with God. They are vainly striving to obtain it. In despair they cry, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from these bo this body of death? Let these desponding, struggling ones look up the Savior is bending over the purchase of his blood, saying with inexpressible tenderness and pity, will thou be made whole? See, Jesus is saying to believe. Imagine, you go to the physician, you get a cancer diagnosis. What do you do with that? And they set you up for the appointment. They say, we're going to give you a PET scan. We're going to send you to another specialist who really, UC San Francisco, let's say, or UCLA, that really specializes in your form of cancer. And we're going to send you there. And we're going to look at the options of surgery, chemotherapy, radiation. And now you're faced with a terminal diagnosis. And you leave and you call your family and you call your friends and you call your wife. Do you call upon God? See, I teach people at Bella Vita Lifestyle Center that many times cancer is a blessing because it wakes you up to life. Do you get that? I'm telling you, I hear it from the patients all the time. It's true. Life, all of a sudden, it's like somebody turned on the lights and you start seeing the flowers and the trees and you start seeing the Word of God in a new way. You see, Jesus is talking to you. He's talking to you because he says, I love you. And think of it. So you get a diagnosis that possibly you could be healed or you may go to sleep until you hear the voice of Jesus call you at the resurrection morning. And you sit there, and what do you do with yourself? you got to sit there and say, is my life in order? Have I made preparation? Am I doing everything that God has asked me to do? Do I believe in the Lord, or do I believe in the physicians? I think we need to be wise 
And I think we need to get diagnosis. And we need to look at our options. But I believe that we can never forget that the one who has the power to heal you of any malady or any sickness, be it physical, mental, or spiritual, is the one to where you look up. The one called Jesus. The one who took your iniquities and your illnesses on the cross of Calvary. See, he wants to set you free. So whatever may be the evil practice, the master passion, which through long indulgence binds both soul and body, Christ is able and longs to deliver. He will impart life to the soul that is dead in trespasses. He will set free the captive that is held by weakness and misfortune and the chains of sin. That's powerful. See, when I read that, you know what happens to me? I think of my own life. You, I don't know if you've ever heard my story, but I'll bring in a little bit. You know, I was driving a 68 Corvette Stingray. I had a Ferrari 308 GTB in the garage. I had a BMW, and I had a nice Toyota pickup, and I was 30 years old, and what I wanted by 30 was a Ferrari, and it was sitting on the front lawn with a red ribbon around it. I had the material things, but I didn't have Jesus. In fact, I grew up Roman Catholic, 12 years of Mary schools. I was an altar boy. My mother's maiden name was Ferrari. <laughs> no wonder I wanted one. I called up Enzo, says, hey, cuz, how about sending me a car? But you know what? I had the material thing. But I went to UC Davis after I graduated from St. Mary's High School, and I graduated an atheist. I didn't believe in God anymore. And so I had the car. I had the material things. I had my health food store businesses. I was smoking dope and drinking alcohol and unfaithful. And somebody loved me so much, he started to knock on the door of my heart and said, hey, you, that's dead in trespasses and sins. I love you so much that I will give you my Holy Spirit to awaken you from death. Dead in trespasses and sins. See, it takes the creative power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit to even wake us up to a desire for Jesus. And he said to me, sin no more. You have been made whole, lest the worst thing come upon you. So he that covers his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesses and forsaketh them shall have mercy. So you've confessed your sins, and in your heart you put them away. You've restored a resolve to give yourself to God. Now go to him and ask him, that he will wash away your sins and give you a new heart. Then believe that he does this because he's promised. <clears throat> this is the lesson which Jesus taught while he was on earth. That the gift which God promises us, we must believe we do receive and it's ours. I, I think of the scripture. And all things whatsoever you ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. Jesus healed the people of their diseases when they had faith in his power. Think of it. You get a cancer diagnosis. Scheduling the PET scan. Maybe you're going to go to the oncologist. And, and you know, you get this information here. 
And we don't even think of faith in the power that spoke the world into existence, that can resurrect you who are dead in trespasses and sins, and, and who has all the power to speak the word and instantly could heal you. See, maybe this diagnosis has come upon you because he wants to exercise your faith. Because he has an ultimate purpose. And that's your eternal life. You know, I had a man who came to Bella Vida Lifestyle Center. He was a mason. His wife was the head of the Eastern Star in California. And he came to Bella Vida Lifestyle Center, and he's there. And one night, I was up with him, and, and I should say, he came with just one leg and a stump. And we're putting castor oil packs on the stump because new tumors were growing where they amputated it. And I'm up one night with him and I'm talking to him about Jesus and I brought out a book called Desire of Ages. And I started to read to him the chapter on Gethsemane. You know where Christ suffered? Where he sweated drops of blood? Where he sat there and said, Father, if it be thy will, take this cup from me, but not my will, but thy will be done? exercised his faith in his father as he sweated drops of blood. That's beyond a cancer diagnosis. And I was reading to this man, this mason, who didn't have a connection to God, wasn't really that interested in Jesus Christ, who had the stump with the tumors on his stump growing again. And then I turned the page and went to the chapter called Calvary. You know where Jesus not only sweated drops of blood, but he gave his blood for us to save us eternally. And I said, look up, brother. And he looked at me, he looked up, he looked back. You know what he said? I got it! I got it! And his tears came out of his, his down his face, and he said, Danny, I see... I lost my leg to gain my life. See, even though he lost his leg, through that experience, that diagnosis, through the tumors growing on his stump, Jesus was working because he wanted to save the man eternally. See, people come to Bella Vida. I had one with pancreatic cancer and liver cancer. She couldn't even drink water. She grew up Roman Catholic. She prayed to Mary. She didn't know Jesus. And I remember she was laying on the ground. I, we covered her with a blanket. I got on the floor. I looked her in the eyes. And I asked her, have you forgiven your father? See, the father beat the mother so bad that the mother took it out on the kids and beat them and beat her the worst. And when you study about the connection, did you hear me? The connection between the negative emotions and the certain body organs... There's a connection with bitterness and anger to the liver and the gallbladder, feelings of rejection and low self-esteem to the pancreas, and here she had pancreatic and liver cancer. So I asked her, as I was down on the ground, I looked her in the eyes and I said, have you forgiven your father? She said, I think so. I said, have you forgiven your mother? No, she beat me really bad. 
I said, I understand. And I took her to Isaiah 53, where it said, He bore our sorrows and he bore our griefs. He was rejected and despised. See, she felt rejected. She felt despised. She had sorrow. She had grief. And I said, Jesus is acquainted with your personal suffering. Jesus. I don't know Jesus. Do you know Jesus? Will it take a diagnosis for you to look up and to find Jesus? Oh, Danny, what are you talking about? We're in church. You know, I did a radio show on emotions and cancer once. And the doctor who did the show with me says, I see a connection between bad marriages and breast cancer. I go, interesting. And he said, you know, women nurture with these organs. They bond with their children. Unless they're loved back and nurtured back by their husbands, they develop cancer in their nurturing organs. And I go, really? Is that true? And I had three appointments with women with breast cancer that week. The first one was a woman in her 30s. I just did the radio show. And I said, I just did this radio show. It was very interesting that this doctor, chiropractor, naturopath, all in one, said that he finds that many times women with breast cancer have bad marriages. How's your marriage? She says, oh, it's fine. It's great. But the spirit was telling me she's not telling you the truth. So I pressed it. She started to cry. She says, I'm in an abusive relationship where I get help. And then the next two were an Adventist couple, a husband and a wife. And I asked them, how's your marriage? Oh, it's fine. And she, she's sitting there going, she, oh, she leaned back behind his head and she goes, uh-huh, no way. And he's going, oh, it's great, it's great. How's your spiritual life? Well, we're Seventh-day Adventists. I didn't ask you that. I asked you, how's your spiritual life? And I'm asking you today, how is your spiritual life, Adventists? Are you looking up? Do you have faith in Jesus? Do you know him as a personal savior? Are you willing to surrender all that you have that you don't get a cancer diagnosis to learn what it means to be connected to the one who has the power to raise you who are dead in trespasses and sins? The paralytic, remember? He says, sin no more lest the worst thing come upon you. Remember I said that and I made that point but I stopped. Like I should have expounded on it, and I didn't. I wanted to see who's awake and who's thinking right now, because I'm coming back to that. And here's what it says. The paralytic found in Christ healing for both soul and body. The spiritual healing was followed by physical restoration. Wow. Wow. Have you forgiven your father who beat your mother? Yes. Have you forgiven your mother who beat you? No. See, if there's no forgiveness, there's bitterness in the heart. She was still bitter. So I had to lead her to a spiritual healing if there was any hope for a physical restoration. So I had to lead her to Jesus. And you know, I said to God, I said, Lord, I don't understand. You bring this woman to Bella Vida, she's dying. I can't give her any juices. I can't even give her water. She's on morphine. 
She's swelling. It's like hospice care. Why, Lord? Why did you bring her to Bellavita in this condition? Be patient, Danny. It's to teach you something. And it's this. I didn't bring her to Bellavita for her physical healing. I brought her for her spiritual healing. Because she may not recover, but I want her to be in the kingdom. So her disease is a blessing because all things work together for good to those that love God and call according to his purpose. So the Lord sees the whole chessboard, doesn't he? Not the move. And ultimately, his greatest desire is for you to be saved eternally. So he permits things. He didn't do the thing because he wants to see you healed. So this lesson should not be overlooked. There are today thousands suffering from physical disease who, like the paralytic, are longing for the message, your sins be forgiven. So I get a phone call from the mother of the woman who was dying, even at Bellavita with pancreatic and liver cancer. And she said to me, now what do you think that phone call? From the mother of the daughter who's at Bellavita, who I can't feed, I can't give any water, and I say, she's here for her spiritual healing, I send her back home, and the mother calls me, and I'm waiting to hear, what does she want to say? Is she going to say, you didn't help my daughter at all? I haven't received that phone call yet in 17 years. You know what she said? I can't thank you enough. What? My daughter found salvation at Bella Vida. She found Jesus. And she forgave me. I said she did, and I forgave her. Danny, God bless you for what you did at Bella Vida. See, this is profound. So when the paraplytic at the pool of Bethesda rises up, he says, sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. So it was a spiritual problem that caused the physical disease. And to heal those with physical disease, you must first look to the spiritual issues. The burden of sin with its unrest and unsatisfied desires is the foundation of their maladies. They can find no relief <clears throat> until they come to the healer of the soul, the peace which he alone can give would impart vigor to the mind and health to the body. Look at Jesus. Physical, mental, and spiritual restoration. Isn't that powerful? So then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed of the paralytic was lying. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, I heal your cancer. No, he said, your sins are forgiven. See, the burden of sin, there's such a weight that's on you and your conscience. And the body's immune system can be affected and compromised by the negative emotions that are harbored in the mind. 
That's why Ellen White says that nine-tenths of the diseases have the origin in the mind. Nine-tenths of the sicknesses that affect mankind have their origin in the mind. So you must, as a healer, in the true sense of the word, always. That's why the advice is given in medical ministry that the physician should always pray with his patient. <clears throat> Faith. So when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay and said, Go wash in the pool of Siloam. And he went his way, therefore, and he washed, and he came seeing. He had fame because he healed all sick people. There was no incurable diseases with the Lord. So if I got a cancer diagnosis and they want to set up the PET scan and they want to send you to the oncologist at UC San Francisco, I want the most famous doctor. His name's the great physician. He's in the sky. It's Jesus. So never give up hope. I don't care what your prognosis is. I don't care if they've given you six months to live. Maybe you won't be healed physically on this earth, but maybe there's a greater purpose that God has intended for you to save you eternally. So never give up your hope. Never give up your faith. Always look up and trust him, whether you're healed or whether you sleep. So when Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the minstrels and the people making a noise, he said unto them, Give place, for the maid is not dead but sleeps. And they laughed. But when the people were put forth, he went in and took her by the hand, and he, the maid arose, and the fame thereof went abroad into all the land. See, the blind man came to him, and Jesus said, Believe that I'm able to do this. See, it's not by your power or your might. I tell people all the time, you can juice eight ounces every hour on the hour 13 times a day following the Gerson protocol. But there's more to the story. See, we need a power outside and above us which is God's grace, which is also interpreted his renewing power, his enabling power, his sustaining power, his spiritual energy, his divine energy. You have to reach out by faith, Romans 5 verse 1, by faith you have access unto this grace, his power, whereby you stand in the hope of the glory of God. They said unto him, Yes, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, said, According to your faith be it unto you. Their eyes were opened. But the faith was just our exercising our own will to take hold of the divine power, which is the one that can heal you. It's in the Lord. When he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner and all sickness and all manner of disease. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you receive, freely give. You know those 12 were just ordinary men. And without the power of God, there was no ability within them to heal anybody. 
I tell people this at Bella Vida all the time. They come with the grossest diseases. You have a woman who walks in with two walkers with multiple sclerosis, and the doctor said she'll never regain her balance. In 10 days, she's walking four miles with one, barely using it by my side. With her balance restored. What was it? The magnesium I gave her? The cleansing tips? Was it the juices and concentration, the ozone spa, the skin brushing, the earthing? Was it the cold sheet, the fever baths? No, I pointed her to Jesus. And she did her part, exercising faith in his divine power. And the combination of the two, man's effort and God's divine power, the results were miraculous. So now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. And this woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and she died. But Peter kneeled down, prayed, turned to the body and said, Tabitha, arise. She opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up, and he gave her his hand and lifted her up, and when he had called the saints and widows, presented her alive, and many believed in the Lord. See, Christ, the great medical missionary, is our example. He healed the sick. He preached the gospel. In his service, healing, and teaching were closely linked together. Today, they are not to be separated. I commend you, church, for bringing in the health message, all the community outreach, tomorrow's medical and dental clinics, and pointing them to Jesus. You're doing the very work that God has asked you to do upon this earth. Medical missionary work is the pioneer work of the gospel. In the ministry of the word and in the medical missionary work, the gospel is to be preached and practiced. Nothing will give greater spiritual strength and a greater increase of earnestness and depth of feeling than visiting and ministering to the sick and the desponding, helping them to see the light and to fasten their faith upon Jesus. So last night, many of you weren't here because certainly the numbers have grown since last night, but I pointed people to the importance of having a foundation program of health. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We need to build our health on a strong foundation, and the strong foundation are those eight principles of health that are listed there in the order that you can say nutrition, exercise, water, sunshine, temperance, air, rest, trust in divine power. We must educate, educate, educate the people on the causes of disease, which is a violation of the foundation principles. Because you will find in most all cases, they're breaking these principles in one way or another. So the most exalted part of the physician's work is to lead the men and women under his care to see that the cause of disease is a violation of the laws of health. And you encourage them to a higher and holier views of life. Instruction should be given that will provide an antidote for the diseases of the soul. Did you get that? As well as for the sickness of the body. Only that sanitarium 
will be a healthful institution where right principles are established, the physician who, knowing the remedy for the disease of the soul and body, neglects the educational part of his work, will give, have to give account of his neglect in the day of judgment. Councils on Health 366. If I get up at this divine service and I give you the health only, without leading you to the power of God to heal your sin-sick soul, if I just take you to the power of God to heal your sin-sick soul without teaching you that you're violating principles of health that God set up in the book of Genesis that we should follow for good health, if I neglect to present both, I'm going to be accountable on the day of judgment. That's my conviction. Jesus never separated it. Rise, take up thy bed and walk. Your sins be forgiven thee. Sin not, lest the worst thing come upon you. He knew. You know, as a whole person here, I think of the physical, the mental, and the spiritual. How can I compartmentalize them out? Somebody said to me, well, the church is a hospital. I said it should be a wellness center. You heard of Ellen G. White? Um, here's some of the instruction that God has given us through her and her writings to open sanitariums, to have treatment rooms, to discard drugs, the laws of nature, natural remedies, health lectures, workshops, to be medical missionaries, ministering to the sick, have hygienic restaurants, cooking schools, simple vegan diet program, teach them about gardening, incorporate the laws of health, exercise, fresh air, sunshine, rest, sleep, pure water. And look at what she specifically says, and many people don't understand this. I give a presentation called The Hygienic Re Revolution, <clears throat> which brings you to a true understanding of the history of our health message and what Ellen White was all about through the contemporary doctors that she was learning from and the visions that God was giving her. And she uses this word that many times you've never heard in Adventism called hygienic. Did you hear that I'm the director of Risen? That's our school. That comes from Isaiah 60, verse 1. Arise, shine, for the light is come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon thee. And it's an acronym for Remedial and Integrated School of Evangelism and Naturopathy. It has to do with healing the person physically and healing the person spiritually and putting the gospel and the health message together. And you know it says there, Arise, shine, for the light is come. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. You're carrying the word of God, and through the power of the gospel, been transformed into the image and the likeness of Christ again, because the world has been covered with gross darkness. And I want to just say a prophecy. Lord, I hope I'm in obedience to your will right now. We've just had an election. We can get into argument and division in this room. I'm not going to go there. I want to make a point. There's many things that President-elect Donald Trump's doing that many people believe are very needed. Right? Very needed. 
vetting immigrants. There's been a lot of ISIS and, and terrorism that's going on, and the economy definitely is in trouble. And, and, and perhaps the TPP and the NAFTA isn't the best for our country. It's getting America great again. I got all that. I do. I do. But you can't neglect that Revelation chapter 13 says that all the world will wonder after the first beast whose deadly wound was healed and the second beast will make an image to the first beast. So that tells me that the day is coming where America will rise in power and it will go Christian. Christian to the point of enforcing religious laws. I know that day's coming. Will it happen under Trump? I don't know. But the evangelicals are very excited. The people, the Christians of the world are pressing together. He's signing executive orders left and right. I don't know. Is he a Cyrus that's to hold back the winds of strife until the servants are sealed in their head? Or is he the man who could execute? You know, and here's the point. It's got to be a democracy. It has to be as the United States stands for because if you study the prophecy, you know what it says? That the people demand the Sunday laws. The people and the leaders in our administration, follow suit, enforced. So what's my point? My point is preparation. The point is get active. Do the work that you're supposed to do on this earth. Find a relationship with Jesus like you've never had before. Maybe it takes a cancer diagnosis. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it takes this sermon. But I want to challenge you, Adventists, as my friends, and my family, that we need to look up and we need to have that faith to know that Jesus is the only one who provides the power for us to be transformed into a saving relationship with him. It's through his spirit and by his might and his power only that I will ever be Saved. So we've come to a time when every member of the church should take hold of the medical missionary work. Have you ever read that? We have come to a time when every member of the church should take hold of the medical missionary work. The world is a laser house filled with victims of both physical and spiritual disease. Everywhere people are perishing for the lack of knowledge of the truths that have been committed to us. The members of the church are in need of an awakening that they may realize their responsibility to impart these truths. You know, I'm driving a 68 Corvette. <laughs> I'm smoking dope. I pull up next to this seven-day Adventist health food store. Never heard of an Adventist. Never heard of the Sabbath. The street signs were central in Eden. And I pull up and ask if they want to sell the store. They said, no, it's not for sale. It's next to a book and Bible house. Never heard of that either. Seventh-day Adventist, book and Bible house. Well, what's Seventh-day Adventist? Closed on Saturday. What is this? 
So I leave, and I'm getting high, and I'm driving my fancy cars, and I'm smoking my marijuana, and I'm unfaithful. I'm doing everything. I'm just really engrossed into the world. And a year and a half later, the people come walking into my other health food store in Tracy, California, and said, do you remember us? You came in a year and a half ago to buy our store, and we told you it wasn't for sale. Well, we want to tell you today, get this now. That God told us that you're the one to buy it. And I was high. I said, what? Who? God. Let me see the books again. Is it making money? Wow, it's making money. Yes. And we want this much money down. And, you know, I'm writing a book on the miracles that have happened in my life to get me to where I am today to proclaim this message I'm giving you right now. <clears throat> I saw the hand of God and I saw how he worked. And I'm very humbled by what he did in my life. But here I am. See, and I learned something that day. And I want to close with this. That his grace went in search of me before I ever went in search of him. And I also saw a love that I had never seen in my life, that Jesus had already died for me while I was yet in sin. Is that Romans chapter 5? That while I was a yet a sinner, Christ died for me? And I saw love. You died for me. Wait, you didn't wait till I was right. You died for me while I was yet a sinner? Yes! And I love it in Romans 5.10. He says that not only are you saved by his death and justified by his death, but much more you shall be saved by his life. See, Jesus lived that obedient life. And Danny gets to grow up into him as he perfects me. I love Jesus. How about you? Do you love Jesus? I want to do an appeal right now to you as I close this first lesson. And, and I wanted to give us a presentation to you so bad called The Leaves of the Trees, but I'm going to do it after lunch. So it's mandatory you all come back. Okay? All of you come back. No, I really think you'll be touched where you... Let me just give you a little clue. Why did Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea lay Jesus in the myrrh and the aloe and wrapped him in linen? And I got all these herbs up here. I'm going to bring out something you've never heard before, and I think you'll find it fascinating. And, and I will be very touched if you all come back. But I want to make an appeal today. If this message has touched the heart of anybody here and you say within yourself, you know what, I want to go further with Jesus. I want to give up my vices, whether you smoke, you drink. I don't care if you're into pornography. I don't care if it's diet-related and you're eating the things you know you shouldn't. If you want to say, you know, I understand the signs of the times that we're living in, and I want to give my life to Jesus today. I want to be in the medical missionary work. I haven't done it. I've neglected my own study and my own preparation. And you feel a calling and a moving today to say, I want to commit myself to Jesus. I want to be a true seven-day Adventist, and I want my lips fortified 
with this message of health and the gospel, and you want to get active by the power of the Holy Spirit to go make a difference in a dying world filled in gross darkness, would you come forward and pray with me and have a special prayer? Is there anyone here that wants to give their life today completely to Jesus and said, I am a Seventh-day Adventist by name, but I'm not a Seventh-day Adventist in action. And you want to do that today. Come up, everybody, come up here. And you want to make a difference because I believe that probation lingers just a little bit longer at any time, any time an executive order the Senate Committee, the House of Representatives, the Supreme Court Justice, anything can change and it's going to look like they're serving God and doing Him pleasure. If you want to be real with your calling as real Seventh-day Adventists, Lord, forgive me. I will go and sin no more by your power and your grace. Forgive me for what I am doing wrong in my life. The Holy Spirit knows every one of you out there right now and everything you've done and everything you're thinking at this moment. This may be your last call and last opportunity to come to the cross, to come to Jesus and say, Lord, I need you. I need you now. It's time. Seventh-day Adventists, it's showtime. Beware of peace and safety, for sudden destruction cometh. They've created an immoral America, the Hegelian dialectic. The pendulum is swung to immorality. We have the whole gay marriage issue. We have the Supreme Court overturning. When California voted, they didn't want gay marriage. They overthrew it on us. Now Trump is a people for the people. You know, it's, it's a, for the government of the government or by the people of the people and for the people, I'm thinking. And they demand the Sunday law. Do you get me? So the pendulum swimming, swinging from immorality to now morality. And, and, and this is dangerous. This is more dangerous. This has me more concerned because it's going to be moral America, pseudo-moral moral America, that's going to enforce the commandments of Man. And if we don't have that experience with Jesus Christ now, how are we going to stand when there's a death decree? I, I, I'm sorry, but I'm going to be bold with you because I see trouble's coming, and it's coming fast, and we need to be ready. Heavenly Father, I pray for every soul standing here today. The prophecy is when the majority forsake us, when champions are few, this will be our test. Lord, may we be part of those champions that are few, but it only comes through your divine power. But I pray that you recognize our commitment today that we need you, Lord. We hear those words, go and sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. And I just want to pray for our church, our people that you are sealing us for the day of redemption and soon probation will close. And there will be grand tests that will come. We need to study the books of Daniel and the books of Revelation. Thank you, the forerunners coming. I pray that you speak through his lips as I joined him on stage in Fiji and we both gave these messages. 
Father, anoint him even now before he gets here. Bless Vicki Griffin. Bless all the speakers that are coming. And may this church be prepared and be a light in a dark world. So bless Pastor Daniel, Pastor Stephen. Bless the leaders of this church, the elders, fathers, the health workers, Father, the Bible workers, everyone. Just bless them. Pour out your spirit on this church. And thank you for your free grace, your divine renewing power to bring a clean thing out of an unclean. Thank you, O oh God, in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm also to give a benediction, so why don't we just stand still and let me do that. Father, thank you for the opportunity to uphold the truth. Thank you for all the people that are here, especially those that have responded to this call. Thank you for allowing us to have a high Sabbath here. And may we go in peace. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your moving upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all.